0: So this morning I want to talk to you about, can you see? Can you see? It's an interesting statement, can you see? If you can't see, that means you're blind. Who wants to be a blind person? Nobody. The Bible talks a lot about when we meet Jesus that we uh, begin to see things, that God wants us to see things we've never seen before, that God wants to reveal what heaven is like, that God wants to reveal to you what His plan for uh, your life is. And the challenge for you and I is, can we see what He wants us to see? Or, you know, are you in a situation where maybe you're a bit blind to what He's trying to show you? Um, ever... Um, those who are married <clears throat> when the wife has had a haircut or, you know, had her hair done. And she comes home and she's, you know, really excited. She's feeling good about being a woman because she's had her hair done and you don't notice it. Ever been there? Sadly, I have. And uh, it is not a good place to be. But, you know, sometimes there are good things, <clears throat> excuse me, that can be happening or there's something special, and because we're not even looking or looking at the details of what we're trying to see, we miss out on something. And um, sometimes we can be in church, and there can be someone around us who's actually hurting or broken, or there's something going on. And we, as a church, or you as an individual, who are meant to be part of a community that cares about each other, can, because you are caught up in your own life or your own world, Not see some of these things. Even perhaps, you know, around your workmates. Even the person that you're married to. I mean, you know, not seeing um, my wife have a haircut is not celebrating and tell her how beautiful beautiful she is. But sometimes you can be married to someone and not even know that they are hurting or they are in pain or you have hurt them in some way. It is important that we understand to look a particular way, to be able to see with what the Bible calls perception. In Jeremiah, it says this. In Jeremiah, I'm jumping too soon. I won't go there yet. No, sorry, because they won't be ready for it. Can you see what God wants you to see? Now, I want to kind of build this out of the book of Nehemiah. Thank you, Rachel, that you actually are, you did a great job, number one. But number two is that she actually said she's been looking at the book of Nehemiah because I've been encouraging you to look at the book of Nehemiah. Give me a wave if you haven't looked at the book of Nehemiah, then I can tell you, oh, right, well, you guys, you're not seeing what you need to see. I do encourage you. While I've been away, I've been really inspired, and even before I went away, about reading through Nehemiah, understanding its historical significance and understanding how it pertains to us Uh, in history at the moment so I do encourage you so I'm going to base my message Can You See out of the book of Nehemiah so can we put up Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 17 through to 18 and I'm going to read it to you in the New King James Bible Uh, so the background behind this is basically Nehemiah uh, was the king's cup bearer Uh, Jerusalem had had the temple built uh, but it was being attacked by its enemies Because it had no wall of protection around it. Jeremiah, um, as the king's cup bearer, uh, gets to talk to the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon, who's been touched by God, uh, gets inspired to allow Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. He goes back to Jerusalem uh, from the land of Babylon uh, with some soldiers and with a whole lot of stuff to rebuild the wall. For three days, he hangs around in Jerusalem looking at what's going on, looking at the state of uh, the walls. Secretly, he goes and has a look, and then he is about to unfold to the people. A vision that God had given him. A vision to bring protection back to the children of Israel. A vision that he had got from being fasting and praying with God to bring an answer to a problem that was terrible. Very interesting. So Nehemiah, uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, he's now talking to the community in Jerusalem. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lays waste, lays in waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been been good upon me, and also of the king's words they had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up, And build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. Nehemiah begins with this thing about can you see the problem? Can you see he's got this group of people that actually are God-ordained to be at that time in history to do something significant with their lives and he wants them to see a problem that is going on. He wants them to see the distress that they are in as a nation. He wants them to see and understand that the walls were broken down. And the reason why uh, the enemy was getting in was because they needed because the walls were down and they needed to rebuild them. So he said to them, can you see we are in distress? And I want to say to you this morning as a Christian, can you see around you the distress that this world we live in is in? Can you see what God is seeing right now from heaven, looking down across this planet? And the reason why he sent Jesus, because of the distress of The world. Can you see it? What can you see? Maybe you understand academically, yes, the world has fallen and da, 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 da. But you, can you really see what He wants you to see? Can you see around your life the people that you have influence over, the people that you touch daily, the people that maybe are even your children or your husband or your wife or your mother or your father or your friends or whatever. Can you see? What God wants you to see in regards to the people around you. Can you see the brokenness and distress of a lost world? Can you see it? Because God wants you to see. And Nehemiah is trying to get them to see the issue, the problem. Because you can't fix something until you know that there is a problem. Can you see it's interesting, like I said, I've had some time away, away from all of the kind of, or mostly, away from um, you know, all this stuff here and whatnot. And I've had a lot of time to reflect and try and listen to what I believe the Holy Spirit is uh, saying to me. And I feel like God is trying to get me to see some stuff I haven't seen before. And He wants me to come back and get you to see some stuff maybe you have maybe even forgotten about or you've never seen before. And it's not about you, but it's about the world Around you, can you see? Can I have an amen? We're warming up. Can you see? You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lays in waste and, it, and its gates are burned with fire. I want to tell you something. I was going to preach a message today. But I'm not going to preach it till I have most people, everybody back. There's quite a few away today. Uh, if, you are a, if you have a family, if you are a parent, if you have children, or for whatever reason, I super encourage you to come next Sunday, um, because I really believe God has given me a vision about family and about our children, and about the coming generations, but anyway, like I said, I'm not going to talk about that today. I just want you to understand what's happening in our world. Do you understand the changes that the government are making that they are now engineering society away from godly principles? Do you understand that the pressure that's coming upon our young people and the way that they are trying to be convinced to call things that are right wrong and call things that are right or call things that are right wrong or call things that are wrong right? We are in an incredibly dangerous place in society right now. We are being moved slowly but surely away from what they call the Judeo-Christian ethic or God's ways that has really been the foundation of our society one of the things that the Prime Minister said on, um, when we heard him talk was he had a cry in his heart for the church to rise up. That he had a cry in his heart for us as pastors that we would lead our churches in the way of godly community, in the way of God's plan for this nation. Because he said there are powers at work that are trying to push it away from God's way. Can you see? Can you understand what is happening around your life? Can you understand the consequences, the generational consequences that are happening in this nation? Can you see? Um, Do you know that the generations that come after you are going to be affected? You know the crazy thing about this thing about Nehemiah was for 70 years, think about this, for two generations, uh, they built the temple in Jerusalem, but then for 70 years, the enemy was freely attacking Jerusalem and attacking the people of God and mocking them and bringing injustice to them. 70 years. Why 70 years? How come someone didn't put their hand up like Nehemiah did not say, guys, it's got to stop. We've got to build up some walls of protection around our community. How come nobody did Because people must have become so desensitized and just this is how life is. And they had forgotten that they were the people of God and were significant and could make changes and build protection and make their community what it was meant to be. See, we are slowly being caused to be um, desensitized and falling down this spiral of um, destruction. Can you see it? No? Can I have an amen? I'm wanting to make sure you're hearing. I want to give you some stats. How long are we going to go? This is from Beyond Blue. So I just thought, you know what? I know the world is crumbling. I know Jesus had to come because the world is broken. And I know Jesus needed to come and die and that our message of light needs to get out there. But do you really understand how dark this planet really is? So these are stats that I've found um, which are from fairly reputable um, organizations. Beyond Blue, one in 16 Australians is currently uh, experiencing depression. So how many people... There's a few, according to stats here, that would be suffering depression. Um, uh, 6.2 of Australians aged 16 to 85 have experienced an effective uh, effective mental disorder in the last 12 months. Uh, One in seven Australians is currently experiencing anxiety. Uh, 13.9 children and young people aged 14 to 17 years of age meet the criteria to be diagnosed with a mental disorder in the last 12 months. You think about our children, you think about your own kids. You think about our schools, that there are children struggling and already have mental disorders or supposedly diagnosed because the walls have come down. This is from the government stats, one in four people are affected by mental health problems and disorders. Uh, Lifeline, nine Australians die every day by suicide, um, which is more than double the road toll. More people are killed by suicide in this country than by the roads. 75% of those who take their own lives are male. 65,000 Australians make a suicide attempt every year. In 2019, 3,318 Australians took their own lives. Suicide is the leading cause of death with Australians between the age of 15 and 44. Don't worry about cancer. Worry about the brokenness in the hearts of our society that is causing people and young people to want to kill themselves. How many people are now even church who are broken inside enough to want to be taking their lives? The walls are down, friends. The protection that we are meant to be giving as the church needs to be rebuilt. Can you see? Because God is looking. Listen to this one. And the LGBTI community are. Uh, Uh, They have significantly higher rates of suicide than the rest of the population. Um, For each life lost to suicide, that impacts 135 people. This is just suicide. This is just one little glimpse of what's going on. Um, Same-gender attracted Australians are estimated to experience 14 times higher rates of suicide than the heterosexuals. Uh, You are more likely... Uh, to, you know, the suicide rates in regional Australia are double those of people in the city. We live in the region. That's just suicide. Can you see that the world is in a broken mess? Can you even look around and see your neighbor? Can you see? ABC News, since the pandemic headline. Mental health services are under threat as COVID pushes Australia beyond the, uh, to crisis point. We estimate demand has risen by 200% since COVID. The world is in crisis. The world is in danger. Here's the cool thing, though. So can you see the crazy world that we live in? Do you understand that it's pushing into your family? Do you understand that it's knocking at the door of your brothers and your sisters and your friends and your neighbours? I read this thing the other day that, um, I hope it's right, Chinese, you know the Chinese language? This is kind of slightly off, but not. You know, in, Chi- in in the Chinese language, the word for crisis, they use two characters, because in their language, they use characters to describe their language. So the word crisis in Chinese is made up of two characters. The first character is a word for Danger. So the world is in crisis, the world is in danger. But I love the Chinese. Because the second character they use, so crisis means danger, but the second character they, they use is the word opportunity. So the Chinese in their language understand what crisis is and they understand the danger of crisis, but they also understand that there is opportunity to change the world. Do you understand See, that is the Christian message, friend. The Christian message is you've got to understand the danger, but it creates the opportunity for the light. It creates the opportunity for us to be the change that will change the world around us. Nehemiah got a bunch of people together and said, Dudes, look, we are in trouble. Can you see? But guess what? Let's make something. Let's do something and make a difference to change our world. My message to you this morning, my message to us as the church, is friends, the world is in crisis, but hallelujah, it creates opportunity for our light. Hallelujah. We are the light of the world. Jesus came to the planet and he said he was the light. But as he grew and trained his people, his community who would go on, he transferred and he said, you are now the light of the world. Friend, you are the light of the world. There is an anointing, there is a touch of God on you. There is a touch of God on us as a community of light bearers to change this town, to change the world around our children. Hallelujah. Can you see? See, you've got to see the problem, but can you see you're the answer? Nehemiah was trying to tell these dudes, friend, we can make something of this. Hallelujah. That's what inspired me about hearing Scott speak. As he was inspiring the church to be the answer. That the leader of our nation is calling the church to stand up. To be a light. Hallelujah. Jeremiah. We got to Jeremiah. Can I have some amens? Because, you know. Oh, man. (laughs) Who did that? Everybody, give him a clap. See, amen is I agree. I want you to agree with me with me this morning. Yeah, it's a crazy world. Yeah, we're in Christ blessing. Hallelujah! I agree. We're the answer. Can I have an amen? amen? Thank you. So, what happens when I go away? Get too much time to think. What happens? Oh, Jeremiah, that's right, sorry. Jeremiah 5, 21. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see and have ears but do not hear. See, it's been a problem throughout history for the people of God that they don't see the way they should see. And they are described as foolish because they see but they don't see because they don't see with understanding. And they hear, but they don't hear with understanding. But we're not going to be like those people Jeremiah was trying to wake up. Because we're going to see. We're going to perceive what God wants to show us as a church. Hallelujah. This is how I know if you're going to be able to see or if you're seeing what God can see of what he's trying to show you. Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse 4. So it was when I heard these words. This is when Nehemiah first gets knowledge of what's going on in Jerusalem. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The guy saw what God wanted him to see and he was so moved that it touched his emotions. He was so moved that he couldn't do anything else but fall and weep and cry for the state of his people. You know, by the grace of God in coming weeks, we're going to have some prayer and fasting because he responded by crying out to God. He responded by going to the answer of the world. God, your emotions will be moved if you see what God sees, because they move the heart of Jesus. It says this of Jesus. Uh, John 11:35: Jesus wept. Why did he cry? Because Lazarus had died. Shorter verse in the Bible, you've all probably heard it. But here's the thing: He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But Jesus still had his emotions touched because he saw the heartache of the people. And see, if you're going to see what God's going to see, or if you're going to see what he wants you to see, so you really see, then your emotions are going to get moved. And you're going to shed some tears. Friends, how many parents want to see their kids go down the plug hole? Friends, how many people want to see their children become the statistics of a broken world? we should start weeping a bit. I don't want to see that happen to my grandkids. I don't want to see that happen to my children. I don't want to see it happen to nobody in this church. But sadly, it is creeping in. We need to start weeping. We need to let God touch our emotions. We need to start crying out and fasting to Him. Matthew 9.36 But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Jesus, God, gets moved by the brokenness of the world around him. We're meant to be disciples. We're meant to be the ones that follow his lead. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just trying to inspire you. Can I have an amen? Amen. A little louder? Amen. Amen. Darren Clark, when we went to um, Africa, and I remember praying with Darren, we're going to Africa, going to the refugee camps, yay! Going to be the missionaries. Darren prayed a prayer, and he said, Lord, I just want to see what you can see. I just want to feel what you can feel. I can remember as clear as clear when we went to the refugee camp on the northern border of Uganda where the South Sudanese people had come through. And you know all Darren could do that whole trip was weep. When he heard the story of these broken people, of the horrific, he just cried. He just cried. We'd pray for someone. He just cried. Because he saw what God wanted him to see. We need to see what God wants us to see. We need to let our emotions get touched. Number two, Nehemiah was the king's cup bearer. So number one, if you're going to see what God wants you to see, you're going to get your emotions touched. It's going to be some tears and a bit of a desire to pray and fast. Number two, as Nehemiah was the king's cup bearer, he was living a life of comfort. He was living in the king's palace, mate. He was feeding off the table of the king where lots of other people around him were not. And in fact, he was in uh, the Babylonian uh, uh, palace of the king all the way over in Babylon. And yet Jerusalem was like a long, long way away. But when he heard about the heartache, he was prepared to leave his comfort to go to people who had need. And see, if you're going to see what God wants you to see and you're going to let your emotions get touched, then he's going to challenge you to leave you comfort. Because you've got to be be honest with him. Man, you live in Australia. That's a nation that's got a lot of blessing. And when you become a Christian, there's lots of blessings that get poured on you. And you might not even be close in your sphere where there are actually people who are broken, and I reckon there are, you just can't see. And you might be in a nice place of comfort, and it's pretty sweet. My Christianity is pretty sweet. It's predictable. You're not meant to have a predictable Christianity. God's going to call us and challenge us to leave our comfort, for you to leave your comfort zone of your safe place. Put yourself out there a bit. Open your mouth maybe when you might be a little bit frightened. Leave your place of comfort. Number three, if you see what he can see, if you let your emotions get moved and you feel what God feels, if you begin to want to leave your comfort, your place of comfort, you then realize you are actually part of the answer. Do you understand? You actually are the answer. No, no, we need to change the government. No, no, someone needs to sort out that Victorian Premier and give him a slap. Oops, I said that on the stream. Might get banned off YouTube again. God bless him, we should be praying. Someone did. We got this whoppy preacher who got us banned off blinking. Whatever. He's not the problem. We have a devil who is our enemy. But friend, we need to rise up and realize we are the answer. You are the light of the world. you imagine this? You're sitting in a room with a whole bunch of people. You know, it's sort of getting towards uh, sunset. And it's getting a bit darker. It's a little bit dark in here today. And it's getting dark. You're all sitting there and you're all holding a candle. There's a bunch of you holding a candle and you've got some matches. And you're looking at each other and saying, Ooh, it's getting darker. You kind of all know it's getting darker. And you're all sitting there holding a candle and it gets darker and darker and darker and darker till it's so dark. You can't even see that you've got the candle. You can't even see you've got a box of matches to light your candle. I mean, that's stupid. And everybody's going, why are you getting so dark? <laughs> Sorry, Libby you got to light your candle. <laughs> but it's true. It's getting dark. And friends, we're a community of people who've got a whole bunch of candles that we got to light. Because when we light the candle, it dispels the... But if you don't light the candle, it's dark. Amen. God, that's my introduction. <laughs> Stuff. I'm going to go a bit longer. Oh, that's oh, all right. We're banned on YouTube, anyway. You know what happens when I go away? You give people opportunity, and they get you banned on YouTube. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't want to say. Nehemiah says to the church, "Oh, sorry, to the community, let's build the wall." So he tells them, "Can you see? Can you see the problem?" And then he says, "Yeah, we're in crisis. You're in danger. There might have been a bit of Chinese in. Them, I don't know." But he knows that problems and crisis are danger, but it creates opportunity for them to make the difference. And he says, come on, dudes, let's build the wall. My inspirational message to you this morning, if it can be called inspirational, is dudes, it's getting dark and there's danger for our families, there's danger for us as a community. But guess what? Let's build the wall. Let's build the church with Jesus Christ. Let's be the light of the world and stop sitting in darkness and complaining. And I'm not saying, yeah, don't get me wrong. It's not that. We're not doing a whole bunch of stuff. You know, I remember Gary Watts. So when we were driving from somewhere to somewhere with Peggy, and she said, oh, hey, look, and she's looking at me, we were playing a bit of music, and um she said, oh, I remember that prophecy from Gary Watts. Yeah, do you want to hear it? Uh, kind of thing. And she didn't listen to him. and she played it. But anyway, Gary prophesied, he pulled us out as a church in a place we were a long, 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 long time ago. And you know, lots of good stuff has happened since then, for sure. But then Gary said this thing and he was prophesying over me and he said, Keith, he said, you are like a man who feel so full of what God shows you that you feel like you're going to burst, right? This was nine years ago, whatever. And I was listening to that, and it just wouldn't go away. And I'm thinking, I remember that man. That was eight years ago. I'm older now. We've seen and done lots of stuff, but there was like this cry in my heart, why can't I be that man again? Why can't I be a man who sees what he says? Who gets so full of what he thinks God wants to do that he thinks he can change the world. I'm trying to get back to be that man Because friends, that's what you should be like. Because you meet Jesus, the answer of the world. And he so touches you because you see what he sees and he so touches your emotions that you can't shake it off. That you start to cry. That you start to want to fast and pray. Crying out for your families. That you're prepared to leave safety And that you have this new understanding that we are the answer. We are the light of the world. Australia is a blessed nation. There is a special touch and purpose on this nation at this time in history. We are part of it. You are part of it. I just want to inspire you this morning. I've got another half a sermon there. It's all good. It's pretty good too, actually, but never mind. I have to save it for another time. I just want to inspire you, friends. Let's open our eyes. Let's open our eyes to where we are, to where the world is. But let's just understand we are the light of the world. Lord Jesus, sometimes I think, I mean, I'm inspired by you. That's so true. I mean, I met you and I know there are heaps of us that are here that have met you and our lives would never be the same. And then you say we're going to be the light to the world. Father, I pray for each person hearing this message. God, that they would understand that they are the light of the world. That, Lord, we as a community at Ignite, can light our candles and be a city shining on a hill and be the answer to our own children, to our families, to this community, that we can build a place of safety that protects people from the enemy. Holy Spirit, it's got to be your work. And I pray, Lord, again, we would be filled to overflowing, with your answers to our world. In Jesus' name. Amen.